welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with NYU alumni who served in the role of RA and listening to their journey of life after graduating from New York University. My name is David, and I am tonight's co-host, a junior in CAS from Queens, New York, studying East Asian Studies and History, and an RA in Coral Tower. And I'm Tom Ellett, the other co-host, and I serve as the Senior Associate VP of Student Affairs. Welcome back, David. Thank you for having me again. You know, you're the first RA co-host two times, so I have a small list growing. What an honor. I'm actually very happy because I loved the first experience. Well, I'm glad you did it. So uh, tell me a little bit about your involvement when you were first came to NYU. What were the things that you got involved in? I already had a community coming into NYU with the fencing team, but I knew that I wanted to do more than just athletics because a lot of high school for me was centered around athletics. So because I studied Japanese and I'm an East Asian studies major, I made sure to get involved in uh, NYU's uh, Japanese cultural community, the biggest club being uh, the Japanese Cultural Association, or JCA. Since last year, I've really been involved with them. This year, I'm an officer, and I'm just really happy that I was able to be a part of such a vibrant community on campus. So what kind of events does the, the club do for students? Each semester, we have two to three big events. In the fall semester, we try to do something called Japan Night, which like the name sounds, try to give students a little taste of what life in Japan and what Japanese culture is like. Uh, in the spring, we do something called Sakura Matsuri, which is like the cherry blossom festival. And we have a lot of fun uh, festival games. I, last year, was a part of the uh, this game involving water balloons, and it was a huge hit, and I'm so happy. That's great. Do we have a large population of Japanese students? Compared to other regions, no, but it's still relatively a big uh, community. Do we have a lot of students who are not Japanese who are participating in the club? That would be a yes, and I am among them, and I'm very happy that they're so welcoming and um, that they've just been so uh, open to having, you know, so many different people from all across the world participate in their cultural experience. Well, I think what's also impressive is the fact that you wanted to go into a cultural club different than your own culture. So that speaks volumes and something that's offered to all NYU students. Exactly. Is... And I encourage everyone to, you know, step a little out of their comfort zone because everyone here is so welcoming and just so nice. And tonight we're going to talk to someone who stepped out of their comfort zone, who's gone to the other side of the world to talk about clothing. Exactly. Is... Yes. Today, our guest is Kenton Moscato, who served as an RA in University Hall for Brett Crutch and Jamia Wilson during the 2007 to 2009 academic years. Welcome, Kenton, and thank you for joining us on tonight's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. How are you, and where are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm uh, currently based in Hong Kong. I've been here for the last four and a half years. That's fantastic. Kenton, uh, welcome. We're glad to have you. Tell us a little bit about your journey from graduation day at NYU to where you are today? So after I graduated from NYU, I stayed in New York and worked for about six years. I've been with the same company. I work in the fashion industry. And just as I was sort of itching to get out of that company, uh, they sort of raised the stakes on me and asked me if I had interest in an international assignment. Uh, Working in fashion, of course, they thought it was going to be London, Paris, Milan. They really uh, surprised me and throughout Hong Kong. I had been once through Stern for a week during junior year spring break. I had a good time. And so uh, without hesitation, really, I made the decision to move to Hong Kong. 
Congratulations. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so let's jump back just to your experience at NYU and your time on the Washington Square campus. What were you studying? So I was studying marketing. Uh, as I mentioned, I went to Stern. But then I was able to create a concentration in the fashion and entertainment industries. What were you involved in extracurricularly when you were here? I mean, my biggest extracurricular was res ed. And then outside of that, I have to tell you, I made the most in New York. I was pretty social. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I'm glad you took advantage of of life here. You know, that's something that we encourage our students to do as RAs, you know, especially the ones who come from uh, abroad. Did you always want to be an RA during your undergrad experience? I remember always enjoying the RAs in U-Haul. So the other thing is, is I only lived in U-Haul in my four years at NYU. I lived there as a freshman, sophomore, and then obviously junior, senior year. Very few people can say that, by the way. Yes, no, I know. <laughs> what, what made you uh, want to apply to be an RA? You know, I think, one, it felt like it was a great way to sort of slice out a piece of the community that could be mine. It was a way to introduce myself to people who were outside of Stern, for instance, and came from different backgrounds. I remember when I met Brett for the first time, he and I just sort of hit it off. I, You know, I would say today we're still friends. And so I, I was engaged immediately through through just sort of the general energy and vibe I was getting from Res Ed. Um, I initially was a peer educator, and that was really what gave me the chance to be exposed to the RAs. And then, you know, I would say uh, as that peer ed year was going through, it was pretty evident to me that it was a logical choice to apply to be an RA. The studio apartment in Union Square doesn't hurt, by the way. It was a good incentive. (laughs) No, it doesn't hurt. I'm sure it does not. Um, so you lived in U-Haul for four years, which means not only were you able to develop, you know, relationships with the residents there, but also with the RA staff. So can you tell us a bit, you know, what, what did those relationships look like between, uh, this, the staff dynamics since you knew each other for so long? I mean, the, each year the staff changed, right? So the dynamic shifted with the different RAs that were in and out of the building. And I think there was only one other individual who comes to mind that had been in the building as long as I had. So she and I likened ourselves to like the Chrysler building and the Empire State building of U-Haul. <laughs> like we were just there uh, and we always kept an eye out for each other and we sort of had that special bond. Um, but otherwise, the dynamics sort of changed just based on the different characters we had working with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the skills that you gained during the time as peer educator, which we don't have anymore, uh, and the RA positions? So I have to tell you, in all my years since I graduated NYU, anytime I've done an interview or I'm doing professional networking, the moment people find out that I was an RA, it is the one thing they will spend the most time asking about, despite my other experience, which I'm not saying, you know, the other experience is more valuable than an RA experience. I'm just saying I've had a lot of experience. You know, I think one thing that I definitely learned was how to work with different people to achieve the same end goal. You know, the beauty of doing an RA position is that you are working with people from different backgrounds who have different skill sets, who have different passions. And you really have to figure out how to effectively communicate and collaborate with each other. And you never know what you're going to be thrown, especially when you're on duty. 
<laughs> I can certainly understand that. <laughs> so can you describe, you know, how those skills have now influenced your current role, especially seeing as it's abroad? So I would say, you know, throughout my professional career, I have my current function is merchandising. If I may just bear with me, my current function is merchandising. And so I, you know, I sit in a function that is sort of the bridge between design and creative uh, within fashion and then retail, which is sort of commercial. So I spend a lot of time talking, negotiating, discussing how to get creative to create products that meets the needs of the commercial end of the business. Uh, and that can be a delicate, passionate, emotional conversation sometimes. And those skills I really refined being an RA. That's great to hear that that has you draw upon that still today. Talk a little bit about what it's like to be in the fashion industry today. What are the challenges? What are the uh, the drivers that are forcing uh, things to change? in this industry? Well, I think, you know, there are a few things. Obviously, the consumer is changing rapidly and becoming much more global, digital. Everybody keeps talking about these millennials that are very important and, you know, how did they consume and buy? So the, the market has really shifted in a lot of ways experience has become increasingly more important for the consumer. So it's not about just going into brick and mortar. It's not about just going online to see the item before they go into the store. You know, we see a lot of different fashion brands and retailers trying to create experiences, whether it's around customization of items that you can buy and create as your own to hospitality, including restaurants and cafes, et cetera. So as the landscape has shifted away from the brick and mortar stores, you know, you talked about making this companies trying to make this experience. So how have, how have you gone about doing that? How do you draw in the consumer then? You know, how do they get that experience that you want them to have? So I think a lot of it is about uh, storytelling and how to relate to the consumer where they feel like they're becoming a part of the brand experience. And you can do that in a variety of ways. You can do it through experience of images or environment. Again, I go back to, you know, my company is doing a lot of activity without giving away the company. But we're doing a lot of activity in uh, food and beverage, which is new for us. And again, I go back to you can do with how they can purchase the item that they're purchasing, whether it's, again, creating your own item or customizing it, having it monogrammed so that it feels unique to the individual. We, we focus a lot here at NYU in supporting communities around gender orientation. I think as the world has changed and there's being a more openness to the fluidity of gender, how does that impact the fashion industry or does it not? I think it's a mixed bag. Um, I would say, you know, you're starting to see brands, particularly in kids' wear, approach gender neutral clothing which is really exciting and interesting to see at least from my point of view i don't think that it has in a big way impacted how uh designers are producing for adults and i think that there's work to be done there but you're starting to see it in kids wear which is very exciting and new good to hear so 
Can you describe for Tom and I what a normal day looks like at work? Sure. Uh, well, I'm someone who prefers to work out in the morning. So I usually get up at 5.45 to get to the gym in the morning. I'm in the office by 8.30 or 9. And then it's sort of go, go, go all day. I'm in a company that uh, enjoys a meeting from time to time. So, you know, I'll try to spend some time at my desk. And then I'm off to meetings, often doing store visits or meeting with external partners, whether they're wholesalers or marketing gurus, et cetera. And then I'll usually end my day in the office around six or seven, but the company I work for is international. And so often I have calls late into the evening uh, with my counterparts in Europe and in the U.S. I could see how the communication really comes into the job. <laughs> yes. A absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that transition from being in the States and going to Hong Kong. How has it changed as you approach work? Um, are the teammates think about the work differently in, in a different culture? How you develop teams, is it different? Or is it really a Western view of how we build a team and, and work in the environment, say in Hong Kong, at least for you know the environment you've worked in? No, there's definitely cultural nuances to how people work. Um, I, you know, I would say that coming from New York to Hong Kong, for an expat, it's actually a pretty easy transition because there's a big expat community in Hong Kong. In the working environment, though, you know, I think in New York, sometimes, I, I'm, I'm going to generalize here, but sometimes New Yorkers can be a bit abrasive or a bit coarse, right? Very short, to the point, want to go, you know, move in a New York minute sort of speed. And here, I find that you need to take the time to explain clearly sort of what you're doing, what your objective is, to get the buy-in from whomever you're working with. And if you try to cut those corners, it can come off as just being a bit rude. So that's like an, an instance where, you know, I sort of had to change my approach and make sure that I was adjusting to the culture that I was operating in. No, I think that's super important. You know, cultural competency is something that actually NYU has a real push um, towards teaching a student, especially as an international university. And aside from the communication, which we talked about before, what other skills, you know, do you think are the most important uh, for working in a foreign country? I think it's important to be open-minded, humble, open to sort of 360 feedback from the people that you work with. So not just your immediate boss, but also your peers and your employees that you're managing. You have to be flexible and nimble. You have to be willing to adjust and learn and develop. But I think that all of those things really are sort of the most exciting part about working abroad as well. What are you most proud of, Kenton, in so far as your career to date? Oof. Well, I graduated in 2009, so I was pretty excited when I just landed a job out of school. That was pretty good. But that aside, that aside, I would say, you know, obviously moving to Hong Kong, um, you know, I'm a kid that's originally from Buffalo, New York, or outside of Buffalo, New York. So I never thought I would live on the other side of the world. So when that sort of came to fruition and I saw the opportunity and I didn't really shy away from it, uh, I think it was pretty a proud moment for me. As a follow-up, you know, I asked this question to NYU students a, a number of times. Do you pinch yourself and say, wow, 
Look where I am. Look what I'm doing. From Buffalo, outside Buffalo, look what's, what's going on in my life. Yes, they do. Sometimes it's not always good. Sometimes I'm like, oh, how did I end up here? But usually, yeah, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> well, congratulations. That's, that's really exciting work that you're doing, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and just continuing on that, you know, we have a lot of students, both RAs and not, you know, who are very American-centric in how they view the world and just how, their experiences. So do you have any advice for them, you know, in terms of going abroad for working or even just traveling, to being an international person? You know, I think the one advice I would give uh, to students is if you have the opportunity to study abroad, certainly do it. I was interested in doing it, but, you know, it, the stars just did not align for me. So to make up for it, obviously, now I've spent five years outside of the U.S. living in Hong Kong. I wouldn't change the experience uh, for the world, really. And I think it's important that people do push themselves out of their comfort zone. It's when you learn the most about yourself professionally, but certainly personally. And you'd be surprised at um, how far you can actually go. What do you read or listen to podcast or radio that informs you about trends uh, in information about society today? So, I mean, I would say I listen to a variety of podcasts and then I read a, a variety of news outlets, for lack of a better word. You know, I'm particularly a Wall Street Journal fan, not that I'm sponsored by them or plugging it. And I'm an Oprah fan. So those would be my two, you know, default. I'm going to listen to these and read these you sort of media outlets on a consistent basis. And what do you do for fun in Hong Kong? You know, if, if, if I was a 20-something, uh, early 30-something person moving over there, what do I do? Especially with the large expat community. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that the Hong Kong cityscape is sort of similar to New York, that there's fewer museums, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, there is, you know, an art scene, there's a nightlife scene, there's some sports. So there's there's a lot of things that you could do on a day-in, day-out basis. It's easy to get to the beach. It's never really cold. It's still 70 degrees uh, currently, and it won't get much cooler than this. I think the most exciting part, though, about living in Hong Kong is it is super easy to travel. So you can be in Vietnam in an hour, Singapore in three hours. You can easily get to China, of course, Tokyo, Korea, all over, which, you know... In the U.S., we sometimes think traveling is very daunting, uh, but here it's it's quite easy. As someone who studies East Asian studies, I like the sound of that. You got to get over there, dude. <laughs> yeah. I will. Um, so, a little bit of a fun question here: uh, Do you still stay in contact with other RA alums, and if so, whom? Feel free to shout them out. So, I would say one of my closest friends is Fee Fam. Uh, he and I work together in U-Haul, so shout out to Fee. Excellent. Uh, now it's time for speed round. We're going to give you a question, fast answer. Favorite tradition at NYU? Going out with friends on Friday, Saturday, and sometimes weeknights. <laughs> Favorite NYU teacher? I love them all equally. That is why no one in particular is coming to mind. I love them all equally. <laughs> Did you spend time with your faculty fellow in residence at U-Haul? Yes. <laughs> A Broadway show you went to see as a student? Ooh, there were a lot. Um, Avenue B was 
one that I definitely went to go see. Best place in New York City to hang out? There's too many. There's too many. But I always was a big fan of hanging out in Washington Square Park on a nice day. Any celebrity sightings while you were an NYU student? Yeah. So there was always so many. And I remember one time I was crossing 14th Street and 3rd Avenue, and I was approaching this woman who I felt like I knew her, like we were friends, and I started to say hello to her and how are you? And as I was actually walking past her, I realized it was Julia Stiles, the famous movie star. She sort of responded, but I, you know, obviously she did not know who I am. That's very cool. Finally, what was your most memorable experience as an RA? Move-in day. Move-in day was always a memorable experience. Speaking of famous people, Sally Fields was moving her son into U-Haul my first or second year. So I remember that. We rode up in the elevator. She came in to interview me about what building her son should live in with him uh, when before she came to NYU, he came to NYU. So I remember that sitting right in the chair yeah. that you're sitting in right now, David. <laughs> and you obviously gave him the best building. There right? you go. There we go. <laughs> Kenton, thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with NYU RA alums who are living a dream school alumni version of life. Kenton, thank you so much. It was great to have you on. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. And continued success to you wherever you are in the world. And special thanks to my engineer, Duncan Lemieux, and to the current professional staff and alums of NYU, like Brett and Jamia, who assisted these great RA alums in skill acquisition along the way. If you like the show, look for more content on the website. And if you want to know RA's favorite books, go to whatthey'reading.blogspot.com. Until next time, remember, this is a big world. Go out there and make it better.